The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. The Energy Matters to You podcast seek to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. Hello and welcome to Energy Matters to You. My name is Leo Ryan. Joined as always by my very capable colleague, Ron Galuli. Ron, welcome. Good morning, Leo. Great to see you again. Mid-December, here we are, cranking up the podcasts. Yeah, feel- and uh, uh, fast at work trying to help the utilities meet their year-end targets. And it's actually the end of a three-year plan as well. So It's the end of a three-year more plan. Pressure, so- more pressure than ever. Okay, and you're feeling that daily. Absolutely. For my staff more than me, but yes. Got it. So three-year plan. We got another three-year plan on the horizon, the 2022 to 24 plan. That's uh, Has that been yeah. circulated? Yeah. In fact, I attended, uh, unfortunately, I could only attend half the call. There was a overview of that plan last week by Mass Save. And uh, as we've talked before, there's a big pivot toward, you know, tip of the standard uh, kilowatt hour therm reduction goals to more of a greenhouse gas reduction goal. So they presented a high level, really large emphasis on heat pumps, obviously uh, GHG reductions. But what we haven't seen is the roadmap on how to get there. Um, so yet we have another data analytics type uh, company today um, that may may offer some type of solution for the utilities in their efforts. Yeah, I think about the, the last two guests that we've had on, we had Resurity, which uses nodal level level information about the, uh, the electric grid and uh, looking to uh, work around any constrictions within the within the grid system. And then we had Line Vision and Line Vision has a hardware tool that helps the utilities to maintain those lines and uh, ensure the health of the system. So here we, we, we turn a little bit to, uh, to oil and gas, and we have with us uh, Robert Ward, who's the Vice President of Business Development at Kuva Systems. So Robert, welcome to Energy Matters to you. Hey, thanks, Leo, Ron. Appreciate you having me on today. So as we were talking just before pulling you on here, is that there's been a lot of you know, interest in folks stepping forward about mm-hmm. maintaining the, uh, the infrastructure that we have, that critical infrastructure for, for energy, and Kuva's right in that spot of working in that. Yeah, for sure. We're kind of uh, at the forefront. We're where energy begins, right at the ground, you know. The oil and gas producers. So we're going to get into that in, in some detail. But I'm curious about you, Robert, about your 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 journey that took you to uh, Vice President of Business Development at Kuva Systems. Can you can you tell us about that pathway? Yeah, for sure. So I've been in the industry now, mostly the upstream and midstream oil and gas for 30 years. Yeah, right at 30 years. And uh, anyway, about Four years ago, five years ago, I started a consulting uh, firm and 14 months or so ago, uh, Kuba and I engaged as a client. And uh, anyway, so we really got to know each other and I saw what they were doing as a technology and how they were addressing um, this whole methane emissions market. And it's like methane emissions used to be in a real small font. You might find it in a corporate presentation somewhere. And today it's the big font on the, it's the headlines. And if anything's going to make the news, that's it. And uh, anyway, so that gave me a chance to see how Cuba was addressing it from a technology perspective and a kind of a philosophical perspective. 
And after spending about a year with them as a client on a consulting basis, I decided to join them full time. So I've been with them uh, for a few months now. That's great. I'm so glad you brought up that, you know, methane, hearing it pays one above the fold, as they say. And, um, you know, Ron and I are aware of this, uh, this group, a nonprofit in Massachusetts called uh, heat.org, H-E-E-T.org. And uh, their focus has been on educating a citizen core to go out and measure um, right at the street level, at the home level, uh, methane emissions. And they found some really interesting uh, findings. And part of this is uh, brings an awareness to all the to all of the marketplace, all the players in the marketplace about how pervasive this issue is. Now, now, Kuva Systems is not focused on that same marketplace. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We've had some discussion about uh, the big city gate headers where you know the gas is coming in before it really gets out to distribution, but it's not been a focus of our ours current to date. So the focus is on upstream oil and gas, and tell us about the, the you know the problems that this marketplace has, and what, what kind of uh, why would they be interested in, in measuring emissions? Is it simply just to to track product, or are there, are there other levers in this? Yeah. So when you take a look at the things that are impacting climate change on a global basis, and who the uh, participants or contributors are, um, methane is. Methane represents, I think it's roughly a third of that number, and the oil and gas producers are a pretty significant part of that. I think that the methane number equals about the same as uh, passenger automobiles in uh, contribution. The deal with methane is that methane is far more offensive than CO2 is as a, uh, as a greenhouse gas. So oil and, oil and gas companies um, or addressing that for social reasons, but also investment reasons. So there's a, there's a lot of exposure and transparency now by third parties who are taking satellite images or fixed wing aircraft uh, scans of producing regions in North America, in the world actually, and making that visible and really calling out these oil and gas operators as to who's uh, responsible for these emissions. So there's there's a few things driving it. But it's definitely the uh, it's it's definitely everyone's number one focus right now. Well, and Ron, I think about you got some experience of the utilities perspective on uh, on on emissions, methane emissions. Yeah, absolutely. As you as you reference, you know, there's quite a few leaks uh, on the street, and as we talked earlier with Robert, um, you know, the gas industry needs to reestablish credibility, um, and by utilizing this type of tool, perhaps they can mitigate those leaks, um, whether it's at the city gate stations or at the point of production. Um, because gas is not going away anytime soon, you know, despite all the talk about uh, greenhouse gas reduction, alternative uh, energy sources at the generation side, you're still gonna need gas for some quite some time to come for that base load. And even in 2050, uh, some of the colder days or even some of the peak days in the summer, I think you're still gonna see gas around. So Robert, take us right into uh, to Kuva Systems. Um, you know, what, what is the technology? Uh, how does it work? And then uh, and, 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 and who's applying it? Yeah, you bet. So, so Kuva is a bit unique in this space by providing a pr proprietary sensor or a camera that can actually see the gas at a production uh, asset. 
And by doing that, it allows the operators to take action on it pretty much immediately because they get an image and they can see that the gas is coming from this valve or whatever, uh, whatever the component is that it's leaking from. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of point sensor devices out there and they do a good job, but there's a lot of analytics and they require somebody go, to go on site from where a leak's been detected and basically uh, survey the site with a handheld camera at, to be able to find where the leak is and then figure out what type of, what discipline of technician they need to, to solve the problem. Uh, the Kuva camera provides that image. So someone can get an email or text message and with a link to the image and it tells them, you know, there's visual evidence of what's going on. Plus it's time and date stamped so they could tie it back to the SCADA system. So the SCADA system is kind of the pane of glass where they get to see all their operations. You, you're probably familiar with uh, those type systems in the electric utility market. They have the same thing in upstream oil and gas. So by providing visual evidence as timestamp with a correlation of what they can see with pressures and temperatures and levels and that sort of thing, they can see operationally what's causing those emissions so that they can make changes to mitigate it in the future. Got it. Now I'm imagining that these, you know, these assets are located in a, in a field or at a refinery location that's massive. And uh, the perspective uh, points of failure in that kind of industrial environment are enormous. There's just so many of them. So how does the Kuva system, you know, accommodate all of those different potential failure points? Really good, really good question. Um, so we're more focusing on the upstream and midstream. So upstream is where the gas is coming out of the ground. So these can be some pretty uh, complex and sophisticated sites. They can also be very simple. Um, as opposed to a petrochemical plant or maybe where refining is going on where it's, you know, orders of magnitude, uh, more massive leak points and that sort of thing. Anyway, the, so the camera has a pan stage on it, so it can actually rotate. So we can, we can rotate the camera 360 degrees to provide visibility of an asset and we have a range of about 50 meters at which we can sense gas. So 165 feet roughly. And that's depending on, you know, what's the wind speed and that sort of thing. Cause those all, they impact any kind of technology that's uh, related to gas sensing. Beautiful. Well, the EPA for decades now has been uh, focused on oil and gas producers and uh, the, the, the air emissions that come from those spaces. And they've, there's regulations that require reporting and, and monitoring. Is, is CUVA applied to, to respond to those regulations? Yeah, so we're actually part of a program going on right now. So November 15th, EPA came out with a, a new proposal and the, the industry has till the end of January to respond with comments. And we've put together um, a consortium of oil and gas operators, also some competing sensor technologies, as well as uh, some legal analysts uh, to help provide some commentary for a framework for continuous monitoring of methane. And continuous monitoring being the key differentiator, they're currently, currently the technique employed by EPA is to make periodic site visits with a handheld uh, sensing device. But the thing is that that leak has to be occurring while the technician is there. So it, you're not gonna catch all those. So you can go to a site 
and survey the site and it would be fine. But that afternoon when a satellite or a fixed wing aircraft comes over, you know, they're gonna have a, a plume of your, uh, an image of your site with a plume showing it emitting gas because it wasn't doing it when you got there. So continuous is really the differentiator in establishing uh, the kind of the baseline of efficiency and attainment towards net zero. Is there precedent for the EPA requiring a, um, a full-time monitoring resource, or is it, I know they don't, they don't specify technologies, but I'm just wondering if, uh, you know, intermittent versus continuous is something that they can, they can, uh, they can put into law. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's the commentary that we're providing with some operators is the, the wording or the framework to accept continuous monitoring. Because currently, they don't have the verbiage in the rules to accept that as an equivalent technology. And that's what, we're, that's what we're trying to get the EPA to adopt as continuous technologies. Interesting. Well, part of my background, I was a certified industrial hygienist and spent time um, looking at indoor air quality. And there's always this discussion about if you, you show up with your monitors and you walk the space at you know, 10 in the morning, does that is that representative of what it's going to be at 2 in the afternoon when, the, when there's a population of uh, more workers in the building? And so this, this discussion about can, can we drop off monitoring and monitor through cycles, through air changes in, in the building? It's the same, same kind of uh, an analysis. Wow, interesting. Yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a correlation there. And we've seen um, things that we've helped our customers discover are things that are operational in nature that they may or may not have control of. Um, for example, um, have an operator that's producing, so when the hydrocarbon product comes out of the ground, it's typically oil, gas, and water, and it goes into a separation device. And then the water goes out one to one set of tanks, the oil goes to another set of tanks, and the gas goes out into a flow line. Well, we noticed totally by accident that the water tanks were flowing gas like crazy and in order to keep that entrained gas from going into those tanks, there's a couple of things you can do. You can heat it, you can put it across a pressure drop, or you can let it sit there longer. So simply by changing the operational parameters of how long it's able to, to sit and stabilize and degas, we're able to mitigate those emissions by quite a bit. So it's not always tightening a bolt or replacing a part of valves um, packing or something like that. Sometimes it's just changing a set point in your control system. Yeah, that's great. And that's, that's parallels really closely to something that Ron and I have been working on for decades, this um, monitoring-based commissioning, the operation of buildings. So, you know, we see this in, in how buildings are scheduled. And if someday someone decides that they're going to run the building 24-7, like in COVID, right, they want, it, they want it full air changes, aggressive air changes, three, four, eight air changes an hour. We've seen numbers like that in certain settings. And then they don't change it. You know, if situation changes, there's uh, ambient temperature changes or the COVID restrictions are relaxed and they don't, they don't go back and change it. The operating cost of that building is three, four, five times more than it needs to be. And I wow. can see a parallel to, to, to what's, what's happening with, with Kuva Systems and the, and the technology and the information they introduce to their clients. Yeah, for sure. We see, so in the past, there's not really been any kind of a penalty allocated to everybody's done what seemed to make sense and has been the, the industry standard for 
uh, producing and they anything that gets emitted is something that they don't get to sell. So it's in their best interest to not have emissions, right? It's just, what's the cost of containing all those? And yeah, does, well, yeah. So what's, what's the, the rate of return there? Does that well, resonate? Does that resonate? You know, the, can you go to your, the, the, the buying public and say, listen, you're, you're losing a certain amount of money. Do they care enough to, to buy Kuba systems? So they have that information to tighten things up. Yeah, so they're they're starting to they're starting to so a few reasons. One of them is that they they want to. There's a big push for transparency in emissions, so that you know it's one thing for an operator to say we're going to attain net zero. Here's our milestone by 2025, 2030, 2050 for net zero. But then it's another one to make transparent to the public the data supporting that they're on on track to do that. So they're investing in that. And it, it makes them attractive in the community and it makes them attractive from an investor perspective. There's a, there's a big a big push for cleaner, cleaner investments. And, and like we said before, natural gas is, as far as fossil fuels go, is such a clean energy. We just need to be a little more responsible in how we're producing it and, uh, and getting it to market. Right, right. Uh, everything's in place to be able to do that. There is, a, from a penalty perspective, there is a proposal for a tax that's based on a baseline emissions. And what it's going to come down to is the tax. So instead of methane being worth $75 a ton, it's going to be $1,500 a ton as a penalty. So depending on the size of the facility, there's, there's going to be some formula to determine what their probable emissions is that they'll pay a tax on. And if they can't provide evidence that they were below that, then they're just going to continue that taxation. So the burden of proof is going to likely to become on the operator. Interesting. Hey, Ron, jump in here because you've got some connection with the utilities are thinking about, you know, energy efficiency and, the, and, and, and carbon, carbon emissions. Well, you know, I, I got I got to think, Robert. It, it's it's worth a conversation with the utility program managers, at least to introduce your technology. Um, they're going to be really faced with some difficult targets that they're going to need to hit as part of their programs, and they may creatively think of some type of service that you may be able to provide them, or do some type of pilot with some of their large gas users. I know it may not be on your radar, but uh, you'd be surprised what what incentives can do, and you know how they can all of a sudden create a market for new technologies. That's a really good point, and I'd love to have that discussion. And you mentioned the incentives. One of the things that, if you go to almost any publicly traded oil and gas co company and look at their um, maybe back as far as 18 months, but you look at one of their quarterly investor presentations and you'll find that the long-term incentive program for the executive management team is no longer based on how much they're gonna, they're gonna produce or their reserves being established. Um, it's being based on net zero goals and measurements and attainments. And whenever you impact the executive compensation, I'm pretty sure those goals are gonna get pushed all the way down through the company. So we're having those discussions uh, at all levels now. They pay attention. Yeah, funny how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Robert, talking about that, you, you know, that's that's clearly the that's the audience you want to get to, right? Those uh, the compensation impacted by it. So, so tell us a little about that. How, how does Kuva go to market? Who do you need to talk to? Um, what what role do they play? What what define the industry for us? Give us give us an idea. Yeah, you bet. So again, within the within the upstream and midstream space, we're really having great conversations with climate scientists, uh, the teams that are responsible for their ESG program or EHNS, whichever one they're rolling under. And uh, but some, something that's pretty unique, I think, is that we're we're seeing that these teams are made of all disciplines. So there'll be someone from IT. There'll be someone from operations with, you know, operations capacity, what's really going on in the field. There'll be someone from climate or in safety. And uh, anyway, so all these people are coming together so that they can find these uh, A technologies and methodologies that are help, gonna help them all reach their goals, but make sure it's also something that when you bolt it on, that there's a little bit for everyone because there's the stakeholders uh, are big. They represent everything through the company now. It used to be when you were looking at something with the technology, they would say, oh yeah, that's operations. We don't want to mess with that. Not anymore. Everybody's, uh, everybody's got a little bit of skin in the game on these technologies, but we usually start with uh, operational excellence type roles and also uh, climate science. Interesting. I'm seeing kind of a similar perspective in that title of sustainability. Uh, two things I've noticed in companies that that sustainability reporting is reporting higher and higher in the organization. So that the seat at the table, the, the C-level seat at the table. And then to your point, like no technology gets introduced without an interaction with IT, operations, finance. So it's not out on its island on its own, sustainability concerns. It's, it's incorporating all of these. And it, a lot of it is like changing changing business practices and this is difficult right because they've got a way of doing business going this was not a factor five years ago and now my compensation's impacted by that exactly and you know um i was with another group recording a podcast last week that'll be out in march i think and it was real interesting that so within oil and gas companies they have a, a a team excellence team that's measurement because that's their cash register right so now measurement personnel are wondering, hey, nobody's ever paid attention to that gas. Once it's out the pipeline, it's not mine. It's, it belongs to somebody else. But now that they're wanting to do some quantification, how much volume is this over time? That's going to come back to measurement. How's that technology going to roll into what we've been doing? I've been measuring the same way for 20 years. Are y'all going to come you know, give me a new way that we've got to do things or something. What's this going to look like? So there's a, there's a whole lot of interest in the market kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Yeah. So there, we're, we like engaging with the people that are trying to make it happen as opposed to watch and see what happens. And uh, anyway, but it's interesting times for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Ron, anything we, uh, we, we haven't touched on that you wanted to ask of Robert? Yeah, for uh, you program manager, utility program managers out there listening, uh, I suggest you call Robert. I think there could be an opportunity here. And I'll actually forward your information, Robert, to a few of them that I, I interact with on a daily basis because uh, they're, they're, they're uh, scrambling and trying to think creatively and how to meet their, uh, their new goals going forward in the next uh, three-year plans. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I look forward to uh, any contacts and 
it's uh, you mentioned the distribution and utility and some of these other components. We realize that there are some needs out there and there are other people that have very similar goals and processes that align with what we're considering our major target audience right now. And we're super happy to have those conversations to, to uh, you know, just kind of talk through what those, those business and technical issues are. Great, Robert. So any, I'll give you, as we close out here, a couple of things. Um, if, uh, if there's anything we missed, we can invite you to just fill us in on the spots we might have missed in our conversation about the benefits of Kuva Systems. And then secondly, um, ways that folks can interact with Kuva Systems. You mentioned the podcast. Just curious about, you know, website or any kind of other things that, uh, that our interested uh, listeners might be able to follow up with. Yeah, sure. Our website is is kuvasystems.com that's k-u-v as in victor k-u-v-a systems.com um we're also on linkedin we'll be uh stefan bocamper our ceo and i will be speaking at the wellsite automation conference at the end of january that's based in houston but they have a, a virtual uh, attendance program as well and that's wellsite-automation.com I think that's I think that's kind of about it. <laughs> and the energy and the energy matters two podcast push it out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So the the podcast is uh, the Pipeliners podcast. Yeah. So there's a, there's um, one that I did previously that had to do with some other pervasive technologies, which is still key to utilities. It's around uh, all these new wireless industrial IoT sensors that you know everybody's talking about, and kind of covers those types of low power uh, wireless technologies. That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's all that's coming to mind for now. Beautiful. Well, thanks for getting the word out. Thanks for visiting us with us here at Energy Matters to Robert Ward, VP of Business Development at Kuva Systems. Pleasure to have you on and uh, we'll be watching your success and rooting for you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Robert. So on behalf of Energy Matters to you, Leo Ryan and Ron Galuli, it's a pleasure to have you join us. As as, as always, there's work to be done. Go make the go make a difference. Thanks. <laughs>